Welcome to Meanwhile in Memphis, where New Memphis is celebrating our city by providing a weekly window into the ways Memphians are solving problems, looking forward, and successfully shaping the community. Good morning, Memphis. Happy New Year. Today, we are throwing it back to our November 2020 Celebrate What's Right series focused on culture. Memphis culture is more than how and why we grit and grind. It's about how the city makes you feel in your soul. And it isn't limited to just the arts. It is food and fashion, sports and music and everything in between. They all play a unique and important part in creating a very culturally rich city. And Memphis is truly that. Memphis is leading the charge and becoming a cultural destination. In this discussion, our panelists explored how impactful culture is in attracting and retaining talent, how the arts and culture sector has been transformed from the ongoing pandemic, and action steps to create a resurgence around our city's cultural and economic impact and brand. This event was generously sponsored by the First Horizon Foundation, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee, and Bassberry Sims. You'll be hearing from Rachel Knox, a cultural advocate and grant maker at the Hyde Foundation, Jason Wexler, sports fanatic and change maker at Memphis Grizzlies, Isaac Daniel, music mentor and visionary at Stocks Music Academy, L. Perry, cultural content curator at the Daily Memphian, and Whitney Hardy, an arts advocate, activist, and innovator at Third Space and Epicenter. So let's get started. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us today for our very last Celebrate What's Right of 2020. Um, we appreciate everyone being here and taking your lunchtime to be with us to talk about culture in our city. Um, we have a great panel today. Um, I'd first like to thank our sponsors, First Horizon, um, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee, and Bassberry Sims. Um, we appreciate them and all of the work they do in our community and how willing they are to continue to help New Memphis. Uh, remember, we are a nonprofit. So we're always looking to make sure that we get our message out there. So please make sure you go out and follow us on social. Um, and also because we're a nonprofit, we're all, we would love for you to donate to us as well. Um, at the end, you will have a chance to complete a survey. We would appreciate everyone doing that. Your feedback is always very welcome. Um, we also have a program starting in January called Embark. It's for our great 20-somethings. Um, they come from all walks of life. Uh, it's a very diverse group, about 60 people. Um, that program's been going on for about five years. And um, we are taking nominations and applications right now. So please, if you know someone or yourself, please feel free to go in and nominate someone, fill out an application, email any of us at New Memphis to talk to us about getting signed up for that particular program. Um, also, I ask that you please drop your questions in the stat in the in the chat. Sorry, for our panel. We'll have a few QA throughout or at the end. And lastly, I'd just like to introduce Beth Arduin. She's Senior Executive Vice President and Chief Communications Officer at First Horizon. So Beth, take us away. All right, well, great, thank you. Uh, good afternoon, I think everyone, or good morning still. Um, we're excited to be here with you virtually today and, and hold a conversation about Memphis culture. I actually live in Louisiana, but I'm very excited to get ingrained in the Memphis culture and hopefully get a chance to meet each of you in person when the time's right. Um, unfortunately, I won't, I won't be able to stay for the panel today. Um, I'm actually co-leading a four-hour culture committee uh, at First Horizon, which obviously uh, speaks to the importance of, of culture at our company and, and the importance of what we're talking about today. Um, the First Horizon Foundation is really proud to support 
uh, Celebrate What's Right um, partnership with New Memphis and co-sponsor with Blue Cross Blue Shield of um, Tennessee. We have a really long-standing, great partnership with New Memphis, and we value the work they're doing to develop thoughtful leadership across the Memphis community. You know, today, every business and industry, as well as all of us individually, are really being tested in this environment. Um, we're all having to learn new ways to live and work uh, in, 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 with new challenges, I should say. Uh, there's never been a, a better time uh, to have strong partnerships and friendships and, and relationships that support each of us and help us continue to, uh, to flourish in this new world. So uh, thanks again for allowing me to be here for a few minutes. Um, I'll now turn it over to Kevin Woods, uh, Memphis president of Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee. Kevin. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, as just stated, I'm Kevin Woods, your Memphis market president for Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee, as well as a new Memphis trustee. Uh, and let me again start by thanking you all for attending another Celebrate What's Right event. Uh, Blue Cross is excited to again continue as a sponsor for Celebrate What's Right for the Celebrate What's Right series alongside our friends and partners, First Horizons. Through, through the Blue Cross Foundation, we have invested uh, over $18 million this year alone uh, to help improve the health, lives, and cultural experiences for the communities we serve. Be it investing in Blue Cross Healthy Places, our very own Memphis Grizzlies, or the Celebrate What's Right series, uh, we realize as a company we are better when we invest in organizations that are working toward a more culturally diverse and inclusive state. As we all know, Memphis is a city of soul. Arts and culture play an important role in helping us collectively define that soul. From the food we eat, to the music we listen to, the performances we watch, and the creations we admire, Memphis truly has it all. Today, we bring you a dynamic panel who will expand on those ideas, and this discussion will be led by moderator Rachel Knox. Rachel serves as the Senior Program Officer for the Thriving Arts, and culture and engaged leadership and civic pride portfolios at the Hyde Family Foundation. In this role, she manages approximately $2.2 million per year in grants to area nonprofits. She's an advocate for the cultural sector and currently serves as the board president of The Collective, a nonprofit black cultural organization that elevates black artists, empowers black communities and shifts the culture of Memphis by providing space for, for our emerging artists. She'll begin today's conversation by giving us some background on the cultural scene in Memphis. Everyone, please join me in welcoming my friend, Rachel Knox. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate that very kind introduction. Um, as he said, my name is Rachel Knox, and I am so excited to be here with you all um, in conversation with this incredible panel um, uh, to talk about and celebrate what's right, uh, Culture City USA. Um, so just, I wanna set a little bit of context for what this conversation is um, and what we'll be uh, talking about today. So culture is the identity and soul of a city. If you think about the things that you love about Memphis and back when we were allowed out of the house, maybe things that you liked about other places, you are inevitably talking about the culture or thinking about the culture of the city. Um, and Memphis has a really intensive culture, whether it is learning about the history of the city and of the national, Civil rights movement through the National Civil Rights Museum, viewing independent films through Indie Memphis, going to see exhibitions at our countless museums and galleries, or witnessing the breathtaking work that our theaters and dance companies produce each year. That is Memphis culture. 
But I want to be clear that this conversation is not just about our very dense nonprofit cultural sector, but really uplifting all of the culture creators in our city. Memphis uh, has, of course, a legacy of giving the world blues and soul and rock and roll. But this conversation is not about our legacy because we don't want to continue to uplift what we have done right at the detriment of what we are currently doing right and the new narratives that we're building. Um, this is a city of grit and grind, a motto that we have worn as a badge of honor for the past 20 years. And I know all of us were electrified when John Morant was named Rookie of the Year this past season by a near unanimous vote, 99 to one person that we don't have to talk about. Uh, <laughs> we have an equal fervor for our Grizzlies as we do our Memphis Tigers, the Redbirds, and FC 901. Um, whether we are catching up with friends and family or actually watching the game and cheering on our teams. This is Memphis culture. Memphis culture is, yes, barbecue. We do it so well and other places wish that they could. But Memphis culture is also tacos and nachos and tamales and passionate debates that sometimes devolve into people insulting your entire lineage because you picked a place that they don't think provides the best fast casual food. It is waiting passionately for the lemongrass tofu to come back out on the buffet at Pho Ben. Memphis does fast casual well, but we also are connoisseurs and we are able to keep every single AM restaurant <laughs> up and running as well as supporting places like Iris, Mahogany, and Felicia Suzanne's. And we can't forget about the beverage, but the beverages, because people come out in droves to support our wine bars like Knifebird, while also keeping a heavy rotation of breweries and tap rooms in the mix. This is Memphis culture. This is who we are. And that third space that Whitney will talk about between home and work. This is where we find our joy, our passion, and our rest. And I'm so excited to uh, start this conversation with our panelists. Um, but Memphians are opinionated and passionate, so we also want to make lots of room for you all as audience members to tell us um, what you uh, tell us your opinions and ideas as well. And we'll start off by asking you all um, to define in one or two words in the chat um, what Memphis's soul means to you. Um, if you could just put your uh, answers in the chat, we'll read some of them out before we start. Also, as James mentioned earlier, if you have any questions about uh, what our panelists are saying, I'm going to be compiling a list. I'm sure most of them will answer the questions, but in case there are any stragglers, we'll make sure to get to those during the Q&A at the end. Um, but I just want to hear from you if a word or two of what you think um, defines Memphis's culture. Yes, farmers markets, food trucks, live music, strong community, diversity. Yes, all of these things. Um, creative. I love that. Yes. Um, local musicians. Absolutely. I mean, that's who we are. Bright future. History. Fantastic. So I am going to turn it over to our panel to introduce themselves. Um, panelists, if you could state your name and one of your favorite places in the city that screams, has to scream, Memphis culture. Um, and uh, Elle, I'll start with you. And if you don't mind, just popcorning it to the next person. And uh, audience, if you don't mind uh, also telling us places that scream Memphis culture to you, we'd appreciate it as well. Elle? Okay, so my place is very specific. <laughs> it's the, the day when um, Cooper Young Festival and the Southern Heritage Classic are on the same day. So you have all these tens of thousands of people and just 
like less than a mile radius and there's food and there's drinking and people who haven't seen each other in a long time and hanging out. And if I were to, to tell somebody how to experience Memphis culture, I would just drop them off and tell them to walk around the whole radius. Jason, how about you? Um, I guess a easy one for me from a self-promotion perspective, which is FedEx forum. Um, but you know, it is, you know, part of what's great about FedEx forum is it's, the most successful public-private partnership in the history of the city, and has had you know a, a remarkable impact. And then I think what's also great about that is both the the Tigers and the Grizzlies, you know, have a very um, clear and unique in sports understanding of the connection of their teams to their city, and that's reflected in how we go about presenting a game and all of the production values and, and the identity we try and create for our, our respective uh, teams and organizations. So. Uh, I would, um, I'll nominate FedEx Forum on that front. Whitney? Yeah, no, uh, I, I think that's a really good one, Jason. Um, so my background doesn't work, right? So I didn't get the cool one like everyone else. Um, but I knew I had to set up in a space that uh, most embodied how I felt about this conversation. So behind me is a picture of Chickasaw Heritage Park. It's one of my favorite places uh, in Memphis. It's in downtown Memphis. It embodies everything I think Rachel's going to pull out of us today, which is uh, there's a basketball court that's painted by a nonprofit group that specializes in putting contemporary artists onto different uh, uh, basketball courts. I love basketball. I love collecting things around basketball, uh, tying right into what Jason said. I've been a Grizzlies and a Tigers fan my entire life. Um, and then it's dedicated to the culture that Memphis is based off of. So it's got a long history of being renamed, um, but now it's called the Chickasaw uh, Heritage Park because it celebrates this, the Chickasaw Nation um, because it's a burial uh, site. Uh, it also has beautiful views of the Mississippi. So I can take my NLE Chapa or Jason, uh, Justin Timberlake, ooh, called him the wrong name, uh, Justin Timberlake, uh, uh, out there and just listen to music and look at the river. So it's a nice hidden spot that I think embodies uh, Memphis. Uh, Isaac, sorry, go ahead. Hi, everybody. Yeah, I, I um, that's, that was a very broad question because I love so many things in Memphis, so many places in Memphis, but I guess I'll just speak to what I'm around every day in Soulsville, USA, uh, Stacks. Um, I love the, the the feeling, the the camaraderie, the old and new and how it's building for the future is, is just absolutely an amazing, uh, inspiring institution to be a part of and be around. And it's, it's, it's just absolutely great to see, you know, the legacy being carried on by you. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Um, I also saw in the chat some other excellent places like Memphis Botanic Gardens, P&H, um, the 30 Days of Opera, the Cooper Young Festival. All of these are excellent, excellent events and, and cultural uh, assets that we have in the city. Um, so, Whitney, I'm going to start with you for this first question. Um, now that we know everyone's favorite cultural uh, place around town, how would you describe Memphis's culture? Man, I think from what everyone said, like not just our panel, but some of the ones that are still flowing through the chat, um, we're a global design destination, um, a place to live. Um, we're seeing so much uh, new ideas and new innovations um, starting to pop up around Memphis for L to cover with Daily Memphian or to see highlighted at a basketball game when you go there in um, tons of different neighborhoods. Kind of like I was saying before, like 
we have so many levels of creatives. Uh, we have Craig Brewer, but then we also have Manira Safaya, who just had uh, an amazing opportunity uh, with OWN. And then we've got food uh, from Makita's Cookies all the way to the Neely's that has this national uh, uh, representation. So like we have this uh, culture and this talent that we're constantly growing and producing. Um, and it gives this wonderful atmosphere when you blend all of those different aspects from food to music to sport um, to produce this brand that we have in Memphis. Um, so I, I kind of look at it like that. We are a global destination for, for art and culture. Love it. Does anyone else want to tackle that question? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in a little bit. Um, yeah, Memphis has been an influencer before anyone knew what an influencer was, you know, um, before that was a term or a concept. Um, and then we kind of got stuck in a rut for a while of talking about all the ways we used to influence everything and and kind of forgot about all the ways we were still influencing things. And, and what I'm really appreciating about this moment in time that's kind of emerged the last four, five, six years is we've gotten back to recognizing um, that we are a current and future influencer again. We're not just talking about our past. We're talking about everything we're doing now and everything we're we're leading going forward. And, um, you know, you see that being picked up to, to Whitney's point, you know, not just locally and regionally, but nationally and internationally, people are recognizing that we're, you know, back to being ahead of the game and that if they want to look for what's next and what's cool and what's dynamic and what's interesting, you, you look to Memphis and you'll you'll see what the rest of the world is going to see two or three or four years from now. Yeah, I'm going to awesome. piggyback on that. <clears throat> um, Memphis is absolutely amazing in so many different ways and our culture is growing. It's so diverse um, as, you know, someone in the music spectrum of things, you know, I get to come across all kinds of individuals from in town, out of town, um, and they really, really love, number one, what we come from and what we were in the past, but more importantly, nowadays, um, there's so many artists and organizations and people coming together collectively and doing some just absolutely remarkable things. And now the world is starting to take notice and, and take hold of it. Um, whether it's R&B, hip hop, you know, funk or, you know, old school, it's just all of it is being embraced by so many people throughout the world. And it's just a blessing to be able to, you know, be in this environment every single day, meeting meeting all the different people who are doing their different things, the way of lives, and just cultivating together and growing together. Excellent. Elle, do you have any thoughts? It, they basically said the, what I was going to say, um, like <laughs> music sp specifically, like everybody in Memphis is talented. So sometimes we don't think think that it's 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 noteworthy. My cousin can, can sing better than her, or, you know, like <laughs> it's just like commonplace. But like every uh, major artist, there's somebody from Memphis in their band, like the, the guy on keys or somebody on bass, there's a Memphian that, you know, that's behind that sound. Or you got like the past few years, like all these in the hip hop um, specifically, all these songs that are sampling Memphis artists or like there's there's some kind of Memphis connection to and all these these creators who are from Memphis, like the 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 person who does the Henry Mask that's on all these celebrities, that's that's a Memphian. Or um, that did the, the I believe, Choose with LeBron James, like that's a Memphian you, that did that. So they're we're everywhere, even if you don't necessarily realize it. That and that's it came from here. Absolutely, that's such an excellent point. Um, and uh, Isaac, kind of going like you know, building off of you and Elle's points about just how significant. Um, do you all have any additional examples of how Memphis exemplifies that? Maybe even outside of music as well. Um. Yeah, so there's there, there's a, a wave going on now that I, that I that I've noticed. Um, 
where it's not like it was a few years ago where, you know, I remember not too long ago, it was all this concern about our history and what we brought, you know, in the past. Now it's totally different. You know, you're seeing different groups um, come together, different collect creatives and collectors coming together. You know, we have Crosstown and, you know, all the wonderful things they're offering there and how people are able to, you know, come in and c collaborate. You have the Memphis Slim Collaboratory was another place. Um, you have the, the, the consortium. Um, and then, you know, you have all these independent artists and different uh, young generational uh, 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 talents that are actually coming together and thriving, you know, on a national scene. So, you know, like something like Un Unapologetic, they're, they're, that's a phenomenal label doing some great things um bringing some of the youth together doing some stuff the stacks music academy as well um doing a lot of different things engaging with the older the the younger um and really just growing then you have um an older demographic that have always been doing great and have always done some great things and they're embracing the younger generation and i haven't it's kind of new to me because i remember when i first kind of got on the scene you know it was this big divide but i see that divide completely diminishing and i think it's because of everyone taking culture engaging with one another and you know really doing some some tremendous things for our community that has been uplifted and upheld just like someone just mentioned before you know there's on the national scene we have tons of songwriters producers uh artists you know photographers um painters that are being recognized in manhattan that are being recognized in china you know we have dancers that are going over there you know memphis juking is taking off where you know apple commercials you know you, you have someone being featured on that you know um it's just it's just tremendous and it's awesome to be a part of it and just kind of see you know people cultivating you know one another and coming together and and really just killing the game I, I think memphis is really taking over i think we're finally being recognized for a lot of the things that we had and going on in the past um and we're getting beyond those blocks that we had you know before i love that does anyone else want to jump in um on that point yeah um i isaac i think you're you're spot on um and even as we just talk about music i mean i think we'll get more into this later but um, we look at how things are just colliding almost, how this uh, interdisciplinary work, um, music goes beyond just being the musician, um, whether we're talking about Unapologetic or Gabri Waddell, who created um, a technology that goes with music to make it more equitable for people producing work and who's, uh, who's writing the music and who's the sound engineer. Um, he's doing some amazing work with technology and how it integrates into the music scene. So like, I think there's so much uh, that Memphis has and working with uh, Third Space and Epicenter lets me see how these things cross because every day we have a new entrepreneur coming in saying, I love music or uh, I love art. How can I continue to grow my business in this practice? Um, L or Jason, any other thoughts before we move on to our next question? Wow. Awesome. Okay. Well, Jason, I'm going to pick on you anyway, because our next question, um, I want to ask, how does culture serve as a driver for economic growth? Um, it's critical because, you know, my background before this was in uh, real estate development, focusing on, you know, downtown city center revitalization and, you know, Culture and economic development go hand in hand, absolutely. Um, and, you know, that wasn't always, I think, uh, historically recognized here. And I think, you know, we've made really big strides in the last 10 to 15 years um, and recognize that. And, and Rachel, you know, the Hyde Foundation has been critical, um, you know, where you work in, in, in leading the charge on that. So whether you look at, you know, 
Shelby Farms, whether you look at all the different, you know, arts organizations, you know, that you're starting to see um, clusters of economic development in and around areas that um, we've invested in culturally, right? And that's how it's supposed to work, right? Overton Park, um, you know, gets an overhaul and Midtown starting to boom. Shelby Farms gets an overhaul and the areas around there, there's all sorts of new development. You look at um, AutoZone Park and FedEx Forum, and then you look at all the literally billions of dollars of investment that have come into you know downtown Memphis in and around those areas as a result. And you know, culture has to be um, a leader in that sense because culture comes first, then comes the bodies, and then comes you know the investment. But um, what's great in Memphis is we're able to do that in a way where we haven't lost our identity. Um, We've never boomed like a lot of cities have, where they just come in and they pave over whole swaths of their city. And, and you know, I'll call out downtown Atlanta, like downtown Atlanta will be forever frozen in 1989 to 1993, you know, and that's just what it is. And that's the architecture of it and everything else here, because we've never really boomed, we've been able to kind of, you know, layer in our history while also layering in what's new, you know, a few years at a time, a few, you know, buildings at a time. And um, I think we've got a, a much, more compelling urban fabric um, as a result. And I think that'll just lead to more and better economic development over time as well. Agreed. Uh, does anyone else want to jump in there? Whitney, I'm looking at you. You can't tell, but I'm looking at you. <laughs> no, I mean, Jason, you you hit the nail on the head again. Um, I think a key word in there was clusters. Um, when we see these clusters of talent, how are we investing into them? Um, because at the end of the day, the clusters are where we're going to start seeing the most economic growth. Um, and, and I think somebody said in the chat, uh, how culture uh, brings capital. Um, and we see that when it becomes a place of where do businesses want to move to, uh, where do startups want to go, they go to places where they want to live and where they want to thrive. But that all starts off with houses, culture of entrepreneurship and, and culture around the arts and, and the leisure of what you do um, after your nine to five as well, what makes the city whole. Um, the arts uh, and, and culture as a whole has this soft power to it, right? It's, it's a, a really great concept of thinking about being able to see how change can happen in a community because of these soft powers of influence. Um, how does taking a, a, a child to a place where they see themselves represented influence them into what their future career goals are? So when I go to a museum or a basketball game or I go to a place with uh, tech nerds, where do I see uh, myself? And I think that's something that we have to think about um, with the arts and how that provides that space um, of accountability and representation, um, and then ultimately kind of attracting people to the, to the city. So it takes both. Um, it really also casts this idea of, of innovation, cities that have really strong art communities are thought to be a, a lot more innovative and risk-taking. Um, and I think Memphis does that. I think we have a strong arts community that says, hey, we like to see new perspectives and we're ready to see new challenges. And that's what's really going to catalyze uh, economic growth uh, in the city and for most cities. Love it. Um, Isaac or L, do you have any additional thoughts you'd like to add? Um, really, really recently, I've also been uh, very, very involved or seeing um, different community uh, members actually put into redevelopment and creating different opportunities for kids that hold on. And it's, it's been in, in the South Memphis uh, area, um, there's a lot of underserved um, um, communities. And the, the awesome thing about uh, being in 
that community is seeing how a lot of the local residents, a lot of different uh, local stakeholders, you know, they're actually coming together and they're piece by piece, you know, redeveloping different communities and inspiring and offering different opportunities for kids and adults and all the same. And the, I, I would have to say that's another light that's not, there's not a whole lot of uh, light shed on it as much as it probably should have. Um, but it, it's been absolutely great to see, you know, people of all different ages and different, you know, backgrounds come together collectively, you know, tackle projects and and deliver. And it's, it's very encouraging to kind of see how that South Memphis area is kind of developing and where it's going. And it's also happening all over the, the entire city of Memphis. So it's, it's just, it's just great. Yes, absolutely. Um, so this next question, I'm actually going to start with you, Elle. Um, and I think it really captures the essence of a lot of the really excellent examples you all have put in the chat. Um, but where has Memphis's culinary cuisine, sports, arts, music, and other cultural phenomenon shown innovation in driving our city forward? Um, and I am picking on Elle because if you guys don't know, she has this incredible newsletter um, called Things I Saw This Week that will not only make you a more educated person, but a more interesting person. So also panelists, as a warning, if you don't hype yourselves up, I will hype you up for you, <laughs> Elle. I think as a, in a lot of ways, I know like the, the food is definitely like if if we can't do if, if there's something that we can't 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 do food is like you know like that was one of the interesting things that I used to work at the U of M and we would take the professors you know kind of these little interview tours and so that was kind of the interview tour it was like oh we get to eat at like five or six places so like there is no doubt that even if um, the people didn't you know, take a job here or weren't hired here, they would be back. They would be back to eat at some of these restaurants again because we know we fed them well. <laughs> but like that's, you know, this you can you can go anywhere and, and eat some kind of great food. And I know Jason had a point about the way Memphis is kind of, um, the, the way it's laid out is why we have that. And um, I mean, you can talk about that, but that we end up developing this unique and local food culture here that you don't necessarily find in other places, so. I guess that's on me then. <laughs> um, yeah, so this, this is just sort of a little weird real estate inside perspective that, that goes back to from the developer days. Um, the way chain restaurants function is they look for a five mile radius where you have a certain economic demographic of you know X number of people making X amount of dollars within this five mile radius. And then we're gonna put our chain restaurant there. And you know, as chain started to really boom in the, you know, sort of second wave of them late nineties, early aughts, there was always this sort of consternation in Memphis. Like we're not getting any of the chain restaurants, we're not getting any of the chain restaurants. What the, the part of the reason for that is we're such a unique city and that we've got the river on one end, we tee off of it, and we've got downtown, midtown, you know, East Memphis, and you really don't start getting into a place um, where there's, you know, unfortunately, you know, an economic radius and a five mile width until you start to get well out into, you know, East Memphis, Germantown, Collierville. Um, so what that forced all of us to do who were developing sort of inside the loop in, in downtown, midtown and East Memphis was to take a chance on independent restaurateurs and entrepreneurs and young chefs um, to you know, create great spaces and great restaurants that would be part of that culture that would attract residents and, and office tenants and whoever else and hotel guests to our respective developments. So um, you know, we kind of got lucky in the sense that because our demographics don't meet national standards and the layout of our city is not a typical city layout that forced us to take a chance on young up and coming, you know, uh, 
chefs and restaurateurs, and we happen to have a whole great, you know, array of them, and they've, they've done great work, and, you know, that kind of helped launch our food culture um, in a way that, that's been really positive, and it's been fun to see them all grow out east and, and kind of invade what otherwise would, um, you know, be chain restaurant turf, and then the chains still have struggled to kind of get a foothold in, in the core, because, it still doesn't meet their demographics, frankly, but at the same time, you know, the local restaurants are, are you know, really the go-tos for everyone. So it's been kind of cool to see all that evolve in a, a unique way. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's why we're also so adamant and passionate about our local restaurateurs and making sure that we support and uh, protect them. Uh, Whitney or Isaac, do you have anything else to add uh, to this particular part of the conversation? Um, well, I, I've loved Memphis food a little bit too much. Um, uh, I've had to uh, uh, take a step back and uh, get healthy as of recent. So uh, I'm, uh, it's, there's so many different uh, uh, restaurants and different uh, 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 vibrant, uh, different uh, cultures of food as well here, uh, which is surprising because, I mean, you know, you hear about Memphis, you hear about so much about, you know, barbecue and you know, the, all that good soul food, which I love to death. And, and there's tons of places all over the city. I, I'll be talking all day, shouting out different locations. Um, um, but uh, what one thing that I probably realized a lot more as a recent, you know, like going out of town with my family and my, you know, and my, and my children. And, and a lot of times, you know, you get out there and, you know, you try different, you know, unique places. We went to an Indian uh, place not too long ago. There's, there's tons of places that are, that are thriving and like I went to Lafayette's one day and was su pleasantly surprised. Like their food is is freaking awesome. Um, and you would think it's just because it's a chain, you know, it would be cliche, but they actually had a variety of different things for you to eat and and and, and enjoy. And I see it in every uh, field. I mean, you know, from Italian to 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 Sicilian to some jerk to you know whatever I, you know different culture of of, of foods. I, I've like I said, I, I've I've experienced a lot of it and I love it very much. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I love our food scene a lot and, and watching it develop and more capital going to, to minority businesses and women businesses to be able to be in the neighborhood that they want to be in. So being able to choose to be, do I want to be in a corridor or do I want to continue to develop uh, a relationship with the South Memphis community or the Orange Mound community or the Fraser community? Um, that That's always really exciting because at the end of the day, there's few things that um, uh, cultures come over with, um, and there's a few things, and one of those is always food, right? Food and hair are things that we can just inherently go with what a culture is, and seeing all of these options and these opportunities to go to uh, cross town and try out different cuisines from all over the world, um, or see the battle of the the barbecues that happen every year. Um, even though I'm a vegetarian, and so I, I usually miss out on that battle by avoidance. Um, I think the, the food scene here is still developing and it's crossing into a lot of new areas. We have the unique um, situation with being Memphis that we're also surrounded by a lot of farmland too. Um, so we're seeing a lot of natural, pro uh, natural produce, organic produce, produce from the region moving into our market, uh, which is making food and these different types of cuisines more accessible to people. So, uh, I mean, Memphis is a good spot where we can do these things. And I think our food scene is going to continue flourishing. I agree. And Isaac, I feel your pain when I wrote my intro, like it was just the list of restaurants at first. So I managed to pull some other things out. Um, also, I just want to... Oh, sorry, what'd you say? I said you made us all hungry with your intro. I know, I'm sorry. 
sorry. Yeah, <laughs> food is also my favorite <laughs> part of the cultural sector. Um, I do want to just uh, remind our audience, if you have any questions about anything you've heard or you haven't heard, please put that in the chat as we go through um, our last couple of scripted questions, and then we'll start Q&A. Um, and so the next question, and Whitney, I would love if you actually started um, the conversation, uh, is oftentimes our nonprofit sector carries much of the weight in supporting our cultural sector. Um, organizations support up and coming, uh, up -and -coming entrepreneurs um, from local grants to ensuring that our musicians um, and artists are able to uh, seek development. How do we alleviate pressure from our nonprofit sector um, to focus on building a community in which folks are making a livable wage while still helping Memphis feel like Memphis? And I know that's a very complex question, but I know you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for the encouragement. I'm going to take a swing at it. And then anyone else, please come in and fill in any gaps and support it um, as needed or challenge it. Um, I, I think the first step is that I, I see the creative economy it's also this innovation economy. Um, and so in order to create an innovation economy and not just this creative class, you have to collaborate. Um, this year we had Memphis Art and Design Week uh, for the first time and a big part of that entire design was this idea of collaboration. How can I find a creative that's doing work with St. Jude uh, that also is working with a group like Code Crew to teach tech and AI and virtual reality, but put it into a medical space uh, that is uh, needing it to treat patients, um, provide mental health support, et cetera, within those spaces. So oftentimes we think of art as just art or basketball as just basketball or just like art and culture is just seen as being the fun things without seeing how it actually interacts with a lot of different sectors. So um, I, I think that's where we have to look at it. How do we invest into the arts economy and the culture economy um, in that type of way, in the way I just explained it with St. Jude and not just, oh, this is an artist. Uh, we have to look at that investment um, into the individual, but then also into um, the ecosystem. So how are we also supporting the, and the ecosystem is essentially the community of support and resources that we have around for artists to go to. Um, so I think it's, it's, that's a start, is how do we collaborate um, with what we see happening in the for-profit community. How can we build that into uh, hiring for your next marketing campaign, a local photographer, or your branding coming from a local graphic designer or your new t-shirts uh, from a local print shop, but also hiring an artist to do that or getting a musician to come in. Um, there's a lot of very interesting ways. What are, what are you guys thinking um, on the panel? Um, real quick, Whitney, um, I know someone answered in the chat, but could you just talk very quickly about what Mad Week is, what it stands for and what it is? Yeah, uh, so Memphis Art and Design Week, it was October 3rd through 10th of this year. Um, so it is this interdisciplinary seven days of uh, art and design and how it, it, it exists within our communities all the way up to corporations, how I explained with St. Jude. Um, we touched on the areas from streetwear and Nike to um, how innovation and working with coding and designers creates these, the next generation of how we see art. We talked about urban planning in these different areas. So it's a week of diving into our local talent pool of artists and designers um, and putting it on a national stage because that's what we need to do here is we need to amplify their voices because they're doing great work. 
Awesome. Thank you. Um, so just back to the question, uh, how can we alleviate pressure from the nonprofit sector um, to focus on building our Memphis community? Um, and anyone else can jump in uh, with their responses to either what Whitney said or your own thoughts. Well, um, I think it's, it's, it's really empowering um, the individual, uh, you know, with their ownership. Because um, that's a hard one because, I mean, a lot of it comes um, from, I guess, lack of not knowing what's available, not, not being able to capitalize on opportunities that are pretty much available for everybody here. Um, I think we're more than capable of 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 it, I think there are a lot of smaller you know organizations, you know pop mama pop startups, things like that that are actually doing really really great. And just like to kind of echo what Whitney said, you know, getting their voices heard, I think is the biggest thing. You know, all of us creatives, we know each other, and we all you know we all work together, and there's a lot of different things going on. But when I look at when I meet you know because I'm I'm also a sports fanatic, I play for University of Memphis, and you know I come around a kind of you know a lot of guys that. You know they don't, they don't really look into this kind of stuff they don't really you know they, they're just living their lives and you know trying to have fun and, and be successful and but a lot of them don't know about all the stuff that we have to offer and i think that's probably one of the biggest things that we can do we can empower the individuals that are actually succeeding and thriving and empower them to be you know to be shine you know throughout the whole entire community in the outskirts and people who aren't aware and who aren't familiar with what we offer i think that um that everything uh, it's coming together as far as the the creative community and everyone else, you know, kind of kind of take, taking a step forward to 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 generate, you know, profit for for the organizations. But I think in order for them to, to flourish and not have to depend on nonprofits, they're going to have to um, uh, get more get more education, um, get more exposure, and you know, just basically get more backing from people who do know, you know, and and um, and and help them to you know have some shit some light shed on them you know i think it's happening for certain individuals but across the board there's a, there's still a lot that they're, they're not getting the exposure they're not getting the opportunities they are not um you know we got people contracting someone from atlanta or new york or wherever else and not someone right here in memphis and then when they do get those opportunities in there you know i think we need to spotlight them you know we need to make sure mm -hmm. that everyone knows like I, I think that's that's probably the biggest in, in my opinion I agree. That's those are all really excellent points. Um, Eller Jason, do you have anything to add to that question? I'll jump in. Um, <laughs> I was like, you look yeah, like you were going to say something. you say something. Go for it. <laughs> I um, it's 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 piggybacking off of what everybody else said as far as collaboration, collaboration, and the exposure part because like we all know each other, so we all. Like for instance, somebody texted texted me yesterday. It was like, "Hey, my friend wants my friend wants to write a memoir. She needs somebody to help her ghostwrite it." And I'm like, "Okay, I, I got you. I can I can find you somebody who can do that." But like, that's not necessarily something that everybody's gonna be able to do, you know. So for the folks who do know about these people, to say you go to this this great restaurant, like um, the door one out there, there's there's a guy named Bala. He lives in um, Whitehaven. He has a great um, a West African food restaurant. So when I go, if I go there, I'm going to post pictures of it. Food looks phenomenal, you know? And then people who might not necessarily know about this, they're, they're going to check it out. And then they post it and then their friends know about it. So things like that, um, these art, artists that, that you can support. So one of the things that's kind of a, kind of a micro level is, so I use this app called Bands in Town. So when people are touring, you know, you get an alert and say, hey, tickets just went on sale. So-and-so is going to play at Mud Island. So like bet. So I, I got tickets. But the cool thing now with 
COVID is that they, they've transitioned to um, virtual shows. So now if any of the artists that I've, like, you know, I'm following, they are playing some kind of virtual show, I'll still get a notification. I get an email. And a lot of these shows are ticketed. So you still can support the artist, even though they're, you know, you're on your couch somewhere. So like things like that, um, you know, we, I did the, the, the Indie Memphis Film Festival, you know, the drive-in, which I haven't been to since I was a kid, which that was so cool. <laughs> um, I got a, I got some, some virtual tickets to stuff. So, you know, but like things like that as an individual, how you can support the different artists and then you can share with your friends about what you're doing. Like, hey, I just saw this great movie. You know, I just went to this business. Uh, we just got this restaurant. You know, we got gift cards if you're not able to go right now. Just things like that. And just to kind of piggyback on what Whitney and Isaac said, as far as if you have a business, you know, get these people to design your T-shirts and to, you know, business cards and that they can play at your company show and things like that where you can um, support them and also give them extra exposure. So there are people who, there's somebody, there's, there are talented people in Memphis who, are, who they're doing things that you want to know about and they might be on you to kind of to seek, to seek that out. But like we can, we can help you find those people. So. Absolutely. Thanks, Al. Um, Jason, did you have anything you want to add? Yeah, I'll just, you know, kind of picking up on, on sort of the subtext of what Al's saying there. Like, you know, there's no culture without audience. And, you know, it's great that our nonprofits have been as strong as they have to kind of seed everybody and help cultivate the talent. But, you know, we as a city, we always talk to the Grizzlies about how we have to punch above our weight as a team because we're the smallest market in the NBA and that's what we do. And we're going to work harder and smarter and, and we're going to do that. And we do do that. But, you know, I think that's a broader message for, you know, our city from a participatory standpoint too is, um, you know, and this is a great audience to be talking to because this is probably the most hyper participating group of people, you know, that the city has. Um, but really, you know, Y'all, the audience, need to be ambassadors, you know, making sure that six, eight, ten other people who might not be out there are getting out there and they're getting out there over and over and over again. Because, um, you know, just one of the things I've heard over the years is, you know, the artists in town are producing great art, whatever type it is. And they're getting the support from nonprofits to do it, but they don't have the audience locally. And I know it's hard because we don't have just a sheer number of people, you know, that are engaged, that size audience. So it's disproportionately falls on to you know groups like the people who are tuned in today to show up over and over again. But figuring out how to um, make our culture more audience participatory um, is going to be a big component in kind of uh, getting everybody to that next level of you got to pay for your culture, right? Like you know, um, there's a couple of people Grizzlies affiliated on this call, and you know we all know like I want to go to a game. Can I get tickets? Well, if you pay for them, you know, <laughs> yeah, you can, right? You know, and, and we got to treat, you know, arts and culture that way too. You know, can I come see your band? Yeah. There's a cover charge. Please come on out. Can I, you know, go to the gallery? Yeah, there's a cover and, you know, I would love for you to, you know, buy a paint. Like, you know, that's kind of the next step from a, a, a local audience culture level. I love that um, so much. And it is something that we have to get so much better at as a community. I always say that um, don't offer artists things for exposure because MLG&W doesn't take exposure as payment. Pay people what they're worth. 
Um, so we're gonna open up our Q and A. Um, and we did have one question that I saw in the chat that I thought was super interesting and would love everyone to chime in. There was a question about uh, reconciling neighborhood investment with gentrification and how do we keep uh, this development from pushing out artists and creatives in the neighborhood who oftentimes were the driver for a neighborhood becoming more desirable? That's easy. Um, the people in the community have to step up. Our own point blank period. Uh, you know, um, we we're currently we're, we're we're maintaining you know four or five different community gardens in the South Memphis area, and we're uh, initially you know we planting trees you know to help uh, to plant. It's, it's a program that you know they plant trees and the community they take them and they, they spread them out throughout the city of Memphis, um, and but. We do community cleanups, all kinds of stuff in those areas. And the number one thing that I see as a problem is people are afraid to put in the work or they're afraid to go in those communities and uplift them. And, you know, people who actually can do it and support it or believe in their community have to step up and say something and be proactive. If we're not proactive in those communities, then yes, they will be gentrified. They will tear stuff down and move people out. People that are actually there in those communities have to look at themselves in the mirror and say, hey, I can make a change. And they have to make those changes. Um, one of the reasons why I, I can speak so so candidly about it is because, I mean, that's currently what we're, we're dealing with right now. We're, we're having problems uh, with getting people to support it and come out and, and be behind it. But you're finding that once we do these things and we get out in those communities, the community wants to change. They want the help. They just don't know what to do. A lot of them, you know, they're 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 underserved, you know, and 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 I think a lot of different stakeholders that are in the city, um, with the resources or with the different connections of different organizations that can actually support those areas, that has to happen in order for those communities to 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 build themselves up, you know, uh, by themselves and not not you know lose some of the historic value of what those communities are. Um, I, I will say that I've seen. Uh, the more that we've worked in those communities, we have seen change. It's really small, um, mm -hmm. but in order to see like bigger changes, we just we have to do it on a grander scale and get more people involved and and, and on board to actually help. Agreed. Um, I think Whitney unmuted herself, so <laughs> I'm going to let you go, Dan. Yeah, I, I think Isaac had some some great points, and just to piggyback, um, it, the call to action is kind of. Three, uh, three, threefold, I guess. There's three different groups that you have to kind of um, have this call to action to. You've got those that are providing resources um, to those communities, whether it's urban planning um, or uh, community development classes, looking at, at creatives as potential urban planners. Um, during Memphis Art and Design Week, we partnered with Building Memphis um, to talk about what uh, community development look, looks like in the hands of creatives and brought in a panel that talked about that. So it's saying, how do we get these resources to start seeing artists as being able to handle capital to buy a building and renovate it? Um, we see that happening in the medical district, which is really exciting when you give creatives capital to create things. Then you have the group of, uh, the, the second one being creatives, if we provide the resources, uh, are you gonna use them? So if we put out these workshops, 
Um, they don't have to say uh, for creatives only, consider yourself an urban planner and a community developer just like anyone else, right? Um, you have the abilities to transform your communities. And I think artists sometimes look at themselves only as artists and not the movers and innovators and entrepreneurs that they really are. Um, and then uh, the, the last group is just kind of looking at, at us, like and those or uh, us as the, the patrons that continue to go in, um, and then I guess the last one truly so four is the developers. We should force them to look at the communities as who they are. So you're not coming to fix this community. You're coming to ed be educated by this community about who's there. You're going to understand it and engage with it. You're not just moving in and putting in a new space. So the call to action is to everybody and trying to make this movement better um, and how we do it. Wonderful. Jason or Al? Yeah, sorry. Just want to jump in for one second on it because like, those of us who've been in Memphis for a long time, you know, have seen how far we've come in some areas, but we're really, we don't have a single block in our entire downtown or midtown core, much less any of the other neighborhoods that we're, we're, we're talking about, which are all, you know, working hard to, to bring themselves up that has been fully completed, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's not a single block in, in Memphis, no matter how much we've done, that you would go to another city and say, this has been gentrified. Right. They're like, I mean, there's one block I've been working on literally for 25 years now, and there's an abandoned building in the middle of it that we can't get control of. We're not going to be able to get control of. And in the midst of all this other work that we've done that's successful and, and thriving, there's still an abandoned building. And literally every block in downtown has at least one underdeveloped, abandoned building, every block in Midtown similar. So, um, you know, it's a very valid concern and we need to be thoughtful in how we develop going forward, but we're still really a ways away from, you know, impacts of gentrification like, you know, we think about in terms of other cities that have boomed and wiped out, you know, entire neighborhoods and, and you know, really changed, you know, the face of the city overnight. We're, we're just, we, we've still got a pretty significant gap before we're at a point where you know, that's happening. And, and what's great is we've got a chance to have these conversations on the front end so that doesn't happen and we're thoughtful in our approach, but um, we're not close to that yet. Excellent. Um, Elle, did you have any points before I close this out? Sure, so I don't I don't have the answers, but, <laughs> but uh, to, to me, or not even to me, but like the, the what makes Memphis special is the people and for you to, 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 just, to just drop you know, and have everything look like, say, in Austin or Nashville mm -hmm. or some other cities. It's like that's not that that doesn't make Memphis better if we, you know, we have if it's if it's everything is cookie cutter and everything looks the yeah. same and everything's just like it's it's the individuals of the air that kind of imbue the city with um, what makes it the city. And I don't know, it's you. If that if that happens, you you know, you lose something. You lose something. And it is the most important thing. So yeah. that's all I have. Well, thank you. Before we close out really quickly, if our panel could tell us where they would like to be found, um, whether that's an organization, not you personally, on what uh, social media platform, uh, please tell our audience very quickly, as well as any events that you think people should pay attention to in the coming weeks. Um, Jason, I'll start with you, and then you guys can just kind of popcorn amongst yourselves. Um. Thanks, Rachel, and thanks for uh, hosting. And it's been a great panel and a fun conversation. Thanks to everybody. Um, 
I would encourage you, besides all the Memphis Grizzlies channels, um, for those of you who are not aware yet, we have our own local digital media company, Grind City Media, that has a daily morning show now, Rise and Grind, um, with Jessica Benson and Megan Triplett. We've got Chris Vernon's show every day. We've got tons of podcasts. We're really focused on you know being a, a positive voice in Memphis, not just sports, but culture, lifestyle, everything as well. So I would encourage you all to check out Grind City Media, follow um, what we do there and the shows and podcasts and, and engagement we try and create for the city there. Hey guys, again, thanks for having me, Rachel. Thanks for moderating in New Memphis for hosting this conversation. You can find me um, at Third Space Arts on uh, all social media platforms and then also at Epicenter Memphis. Um, and at Epicenter, we're currently having a Global Entrepreneurship Week. So there's a ton of events. If you check out our calendar, if you want to get engaged, perfect for creatives. Um, and then just contact me there if you're looking to start your business and grow it as an entrepreneur. Um, I love what I do at Epicenter. So you can email me. Awesome. L. I guess I'll plug everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think somebody put, must have put it in the chat. But the newsletter, Things I Saw This Week, is thingsisawthisweek.substack.com. It's basically, it's not really me talking. It's more of like a little roundup of like art stuff, um, cities, music, film, um, food, kind of basically the things we talked about, like literally. Um, full weekly that comes out. Um, I'm, I work at the Daily Memphian, so um, you can find my bylines. Times. And then uh, I'm at L actually, one word. Um, I haven't posted it a lot recently, but I generally do post about things that if you're interested in finding out about cool things in Memphis, generally I, I can be a good resource for you. <laughs> so, yeah. Awesome. And Isaac, where can people, where do you want to be found? <laughs> um, well, thank you everyone for this opportunity. Thank you, New Memphis. Um, you guys can find me at Stacks Music Academy. That's uh, basically where uh, I am these days. Uh, you can check out and get our updates and everything from uh, stacksmusicacademy.org. And uh, we do have a special WKNO performance uh, that we will be uh, putting out around Christmas. So we encourage everyone to take a look and please support. And um, yeah, thank you guys very much. Awesome. And if you guys would like to hear my inane rants about how Memphis deserves more respect, you can follow me on Twitter at Fearless Knox. Also, I do want to highlight that uh, Arts Memphis will be uh, kicking off its inaugural Arts Week December 7th through the 13th. It will showcase all of the incredible work our artists and organizations um, have been doing and what they've accomplished despite the pandemic. Um, please join me in thanking our panel. They are amazing. Thank you guys so much for your time um, and New Memphis Institute. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Nora Murray. So hi everyone. Thank you again for attending today and listening to this amazing panel. I see a lot of love for them in the chat and that's great. Yes, they did an amazing job. I also want to thank First Horizon Foundation, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Tennessee and Bassberry Sims. They're hugely supportive of us. Um, and I did just want to call out two comments in the chat that I saw along the way. So one came from Michael Detroit, and he said, I think Memphians are finally starting to realize what we have locally. We have so often taken our talents for granted. We need to continue growing this realization. And Amelia Thompson said, my favorite thing about Memphis is the inescapable nature of our contributions to every sector and industry. You don't have culture without Memphians. So with that note, um, I'm going to emphasize Whitney and everyone's call to action and turn it a little bit on you. 
Um, in the beginning, Rachel asked everyone to drop their favorite cultural things in Memphis, and the chat lit up with a bunch of different restaurants, a bunch of different places around town, our gardens, our theater, our music, and just everything visually, um, our visual arts, and just everything in between. Um, so whatever it is that's meaningful to you and kind of maintaining that culture, um, I charge you to share it. It's the call for confidence, as Whitney Hardy um, has, has had me say. Um, so spread that word in all of your conversations. Um, be sure to share it on social using hashtags like bring your soul and celebrate your city so that we can really gain some more traction and then contribute to it. So whether it's financial equity or sweat equity, whatever you have to give, be sure that you're giving back and not just today and in this pandemic filled year of 2020, um, but all the way through 2025 and beyond. Um, as Jason said, there's no culture without audience. So let's leave today be making sure that we are the audience that we need. Um, I hope that you all have a great rest of your day, um, a great holiday season coming up, um, and we will see you in 2021 for our next Celebrate What's Right series. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this discussion about Memphis culture as much as we did. If you like what you hear, please consider calling in to leave us a voicemail and let us know. Did you learn something new about our great city? We'd love to hear from you. Just call 901-460-3031. One more time, that's 901-460-3031. Thanks again. Have a great day, Memphis. Meanwhile in Memphis is brought to you in partnership with WYXR. Produced by New Memphis and hosted by Anna Mullins Ellis and Christy Mullen. For more information, please visit newmemphis.org. Audio for this show is recorded and produced by the OAM Network. For more information, please visit pod901.com.